Hey everyone, here's the second part of our conversation with Carly Lloyd. Enjoy. So we keep using the term U.S. soccer, right, which feels like a broad term to me. Um, it, it straddles, obviously, both men and women. But do, it sounds like you feel like there was different treatment for the women than there was for the men. Am I reading that right or not? As far as, like... Just in terms of, like, them kind of having this sense that, hey, whatever we need to do extra, that's going to be okay. But for you, there was, like, there was much more rules and kind of, like, limitations, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, the control factor, I, th I think. I, I think any time you go against the grain and you do something unconventional and it's not something a coach is coaching or, you know, it's, it's their way that they're coming up with, I, yeah, I think people want to see you fail, and I think people don't like it. Mm -hmm. um, and I simply wasn't going against Green because I didn't like these people or that didn't think the sports science person was good. I just knew what worked for me and what my body needed, and so that's what I needed to do. Um, I wouldn't have had the career that I had if I didn't do everything extra that I, that I put in, like you said. Do you understand it being frowned upon to kind of bring in somebody from outside the, the camp, so to speak, to, to help you with those processes? Because I suppose like a body like a US soccer will look at it and think, well, we've put everything in place that you need for you to succeed. But you're looking at it saying, well, I actually need a different personal trainer because I've identified that this is my need and this is the person that helps me get from where I am to where I want to be. Can you understand that, that feeling problematic or not? I think so. I, I think it's tough. I think it's especially tough with younger players if, if they're all of a sudden going renegade and doing their own thing. But um, I think it becomes a trust, you know, mm -hmm. issue. Uh, you know, do you trust this person to be able to go into the off season and, and do their own thing? I mean, I know several players currently on the team. Um, Lindsay Horan follows like a pretty totally different program that she uses and. It's worked for her, and there's several other players as well. But um, I, I can see that. I can see that. But it was working for me. Like, I kept having success. So I, I think if it were going the opposite way, it would probably be a, a little alarming. How important was that relationship for you, the, the personal trainer relationship? Uh, you know, it's... Nobody really knows. Nobody knows truly the, the situation that, that went down. Um, my dad actually had reached out to this personal coach to work with me after I got cut from the under-21 national team. I wanted to quit. It was the first adversity that I had. And so everyone was telling me that I had the ability to play for the U.S. Women's National Team. I didn't believe it fully. So I was, you know, I was like 80%, I would say. And so I just kind of needed somebody to to get me over that that last little bit of 20% that I needed. And was it just mentally? Mentally, my character, you know, just my mindset of, you know, not blaming others, looking at myself in the mirror. Um, I wasn't fit. You know, I was a player who had the creativity. I, I had all of that, but I just wasn't fit. Um, and when you're not fit, you can't do a lot of things over and over again. Um, you know, technically could you know, get a little bit better, but I was still pretty good tactically, still pretty good. So this coach, you know, came in and started working with me. Um, it was kind of a, a family affair, if you say, you know, my sister was kind of nannying their two kids and my dad was the manager of my brother's team. And then just all of a sudden, 
something happened with my dad and him and he's out of the picture and then my sister's out of the picture and slowly by slowly just people in my life were getting chopped off and chopped out of my life and you know my husband Brian was not my husband at the time throughout this journey um, you know had some hesitations about him uh, come to find out you know he didn't think fondly of him at all for about a decade uh, but for me, it was tunnel vision. It was just, I just, you know, when, when, you, when you strive for greatness and you want to succeed in life, there's things that you sacrifice. And I didn't see things clearly because I was on a mission to be the best. That came with a price. So I didn't talk to my family for 12 years. From about 2008-ish to 2020. Um, 2020, COVID year, a lot of things slowed down. I think, you know, I had some differing views and um, with my personal coach, you know, there was just a, a manipulating, a brainwashing, um, just a, a very unhealthy um, things that were, that were going on, the way I was being treated. And uh, it just kind of opened my eyes to just the type of person that he was and is. And um, yeah, I just came to terms with it not being good for me in my life. Do, do you think that, do you think that that, so 2020 is when, as you just said, you kind of had that realization. Is that realization of just that current moment or are you taking a look back at all the years that you worked with him and saying and evaluating different moments where people may have questioned him and you stood by his side, you co-signed for him, where people had doubts and you co-signed for him. Are you looking back at those moments now and thinking, damn, maybe they were right? Or was this more of he changed? And in this moment, that change is what's kind of Because he ultimately led to helped you, right? And that's why you believed it so much. Look, I, I can't sit here and say he didn't help. He helped, but it came with a price, you know, and the price of my family missing out, missed weddings. Um, my dad nearly had a heart attack. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, those are moments you don't get back. Um, and I can't look back and I can't change it all, but no, he was who he always was. And I always gave him so much credit and I didn't give myself enough credit because I was the woman in the arena. Mm -hmm. He gave me the tools, but I was the one going out and going to battle every day. And uh, yeah, it just, it just completely opened my eyes to a lot of things. You know, the control, the manipulation, um, the brainwashing, the, you know, driving a wedge through my family. Um, all of these things that I didn't see or I didn't have the opportunity for life to slow down for me to see. And I saw it all. And so I was going back and back and the person that you trust with your life, you, you think that someone that's in your life for that long is gonna do right by you. Um, and it was the total opposite. How are you able to like reconnect with your family after going through that to get back to where, to where y'all were? So I was talking to my sister uh, for about four years when my book came out. She was about to give birth to her first and she called me um, 
Take a second. <sighs> she called me and left me a voicemail. Um, yeah, and I'll never forget it. She said she didn't want her firstborn to not know her aunt. And so I had been talking to her, um, and I kind of had given her a heads up of what was going on. And uh, 2020 happens, you know, I get a surgery. I'm not, I'm not training with my coach anymore. And um, I just, I finally cut ties. And she kind of facilitated, you know, my family and I, they came over our house. We had breakfast sandwiches, my brother came. How awkward that was that moment? It. It, it was strange. I mean, it had been, it'd been a really long time. They never saw our house. Um, they hadn't seen Brian in, in quite some time. I know my mom was extremely nervous. Um, what about you? your dad? Yeah. Yeah, everybody was. I mean, everybody, because the times that we tried to rekindle, you know, I had my coach in my ear kind of, manipulating me into saying, you know, you can't trust your family, you can't, you know, and I can see how people can get wrapped up in that. You know, I can see that people can get taken advantage of and um, I just, I always, I always had this guard up about me. Um, and, and it may have, you know, it worked for my career, but I wasn't somebody that expressed myself throughout um, and so I needed to let that guard down. And obviously my family were very angry about the situation and about the way that things went down. What was the defining moment that you're like, you know what, I'm going my separate way. I'm gonna go with what my trainer thinks is best for me versus what y'all think is, is best for me. It was just a series of incidents. You know, it was something that happened on my brother's team with my dad and him and what happened, you know, and it, and it was like I was stuck in the middle having to choose sides. And all I wanted to do was become the best soccer player that I could be. But I was getting, you know, pulled in, in, in every which direction. And I was young and, you know, of course, we all have issues with our families and parents and whatnot. And I was living at home still till I was, you know, a couple years into the national team. And there's no manual, I get it, there's no manual to raise a child that is going to the professional level. Like, it's, it's hard, I, I can imagine. Um, so it was just a series of, of things. Um, but many people saw it, you know, many people saw it and, and I didn't see it and I, and I kind of kick myself for not seeing it. Um, but I've given myself that grace to, to know that I wasn't in the mindset and my eyes weren't, weren't clearly open to see it. Um, I've been in that situation though. I feel like I can relate to that where you, it, it takes for space and distance from something for you mm -hmm. to be able to see the level of manipulation. Yeah in control that's involved. I, I would say I saw that in my marriage and it took for me to, to be away from that, to be able to mm -hmm. then yeah. kind of make, make the right decisions and really process everything that had happened in that situation. But I think I struggled with feeling so disappointed in myself because mm -hmm. you and I think myself as well, like you're in an industry. So for me, I'm in a male dominated industry. I think I'm a strong woman. I'm a successful mm -hmm. woman. And those are all things that must apply to you, right? But then I'm mortified that, hang on, how did I let mm -hmm. that happen? And how did I let it happen at such personal cost? Yep. To me, to people that I care about and that mm -hmm. I love and that I want to give those special moments to. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? A hundred percent. Because I, I consider myself strong. I consider myself 
being able to read people. But when someone is narcissistic, um, when someone is really, really good at manipulating, um, even the strongest people fall to it, fall mm -hmm. victim to it. And I kicked myself for months, weeks. I mean, just, I just kept going over and over and over again, all the moments. Like once you see it, like once you're open to it, and then it all just becomes so obvious, but it was like not obvious in that moment. And it was, it was hard for, for Brian and I. I mean, he was, you know, I think he was working the angle of, of removing him too. And I mean, thankfully our love is so strong and our bond is so strong that it didn't happen. But Brian thought that I would never wake up and, and see it until I completely finished playing. But I was rewarded with seeing it before I was done playing and my family got to enjoy the whole last year of my career. And would, you, would you label that abuse? Yeah. I you mean, it, it wasn't physical, it wasn't sexual, um, but the, the things that were happening within the NWSL, I can relate to some of those. Yeah, the, the manipulating, the brainwashing, um, absolutely. Uh -huh. And it's, it's crazy that another human can actually somehow get inside your mind mm -hmm. and manipulate you to do certain things. That's, yeah, it's, like my, my dad nearly had a heart attack and my mom reached out and I'm like, okay, good to hear. Oh, you know, there's just, like I just became numb. I became numb when working with him to everything. When were you able to forgive yourself for that time kind of lost with your family, to be at peace and uh, I mean, this happened September, October of 2020. Um, actually, the way that it ended was I accidentally sent the personal coach a, a text saying, like, he's a dick. I meant to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> and, you know, and it was WhatsApp. I could have deleted it. I froze. Froze in the moment, and I'm like, you know what? It was a blessing because I was gonna maybe fake it a little bit or you know, let it ride out through the Olympics, but it was, no, it was, it was the best thing that happened. Um, just completely, completely ended it. But so you had that moment, now your family's back in your life, you get to spend time with your nieces, You're, you have a chance to reflect on all your playing career. Is this maybe the happiest moment that you've had in a while? 100%. Like I just felt like when that moment the text and the end happened, and we picked up all my gear out of the facility and took me a bit, like it took me a bit. I was, I was angry, I was going back, um, but I felt like my heart came alive again. Mm. And I couldn't, I, I wouldn't say that I was necessarily happy when I was playing, and I don't know if you guys felt the same, like you're grinding, it's hard. Um, I don't think that you can, you know, Wait reach. on your shoulders, the expectations. Yeah, I don't think yeah. you can reach the top and have that balance of like playing with joy and having fun and, and all of that. But um, the last end of my career to be able to say that I did it myself with nobody there in my ear, controlling every move that I make, like that was special and my family there. But yeah, th this is the happiest I've been. 
there was just one question that I wanted to make sure that we got to answer in this format because it was something that we had talked about when we wanted to get you on as a guest. You talked about Tokyo Olympics. Um, you, you seem like somebody who doesn't have regrets. I guess I've always wondered, how do you look back on that moment um, at, at the Tokyo Olympics where you decided bronze medal game, Australia, you decided not to take a knee, right, to protest racism. Everybody else on the team did, I think. You felt like that that moment was a distraction. I know there's split opinion here in, in terms of how, how you guys feel about that as players. I, I'm just interested, do you look back and think, right call, got it right? Or how do you feel about that moment? So in that moment, um, we were kneeling it was right before kickoff. Mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't necessarily like a, a, a protest per se, but I guess everybody in the English Premier League, right, was just taking a knee, I guess. Before kickoff, yeah. Yeah, before kickoff. Um, so we had done it every game. And I knew that that was going to be my last world championship game. So I wanted to stand. I had kneeled all the other times. And for me, that was just... I'm was it a statement about the action and what it represented? Why did you want to stand in that moment? Why did it mean, what, what did that mean to you? Was it the anthem or it wasn't a national anthem moment? No, no, it was nothing. Okay. It was literally like the 10 seconds before kickoff. Okay. Um, I just felt like I had done it five other times and I just wanted to stand for this one. Uh-huh. That was it. There was no other like thought or anything. Do you think it communicated something else to the world? Um, I'm sure because I was the only one standing and everybody else was kneeling. I just thought that, you know, we had done enough of the kneeling and I just wanted to stand in my last world championship game. Did you feel comfortable with the messaging that the kneeling was there to, to represent? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that there is no perfect nation. There is... Um, there's a lot of things that need to be different. There's a lot of um, more respect that people need to show. You know, I've, I've always viewed every single person as a human being, no matter what you look like, no matter who you mm. are, no matter what you represent. I think the beautiful thing about our world is we all have differing opinions. Um, but I think we've gotten to a, a, a point where if it's not a certain opinion, then other people can't have their other opinions. So it's, it's, you know, it's kind of contradicting itself. And um, yeah, I mean, in, in that moment, I just, I was like, I just kind of had enough of kneeling right before the game because we had done it for a whole year or so leading up. Mm. Mo? When I saw it happen in the moment, because I know what kind of impact you carry, you know, what kind of following you have, the way that I'm a, I'm a grown man, I admire you, right? So kids, grown-ups, adults, they admire you. They admire you as a player, as a person. So in that moment, I felt like it dampened the situation, you know, or kind of, it kind of felt like a slight in a way. But just in that moment, I remember watching it and thinking like, the hell, you know what I mean? Yeah, I respect that. Seeing it just kind of felt like, damn. Like, I know Carly, I know that she, she has, she's in support of these, She's in support of change, especially when it comes to this. But I'm but in support of change, of actionable change. And I just felt like it was just, it was just like a thing to do. Like it just was beginning to just feel like a, a thing to do. It was an empty stadium, you know? I don't know how many people were watching the game. Like it was 10 seconds before. It wasn't like, 
wasn't like our team was wearing coats or doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was just it was a global thing that people were doing. So for me, I was just kind of I think I think a lot of players can often feel this way about like measures that are taken, like the anti-racism stuff. I've heard Premier League players talk about that, right? They feel like it becomes performative. So to your point, they feel like it's not actioning real change. So what am I really doing? What am I investing not in? Not necessarily the, that. Okay. Well, where I was going to go with it was I feel like what the taking a knee felt so divisive, particularly in America, right? That it felt to me like your choice not to almost felt like it empowered this group that felt like, yeah, we don't take a knee because we don't support that cause. And so I think to your point, it, it, it kind of felt disappointing because of the respect that we all have for you. Mm-hmm. And this isn't to gang up on you at all. I guess I'm just, I was just interested. Do you still feel like, would you do the same thing again now? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that people maybe look into things too much. Like you're asking me like, what was your, re- like, I, I just, I kneeled five other times and my last game, I just, I was honed in. I, I wanted a medal. Like I wanted to just focus on that. People made a, a big deal, right, out of the fact that I think you you had said to Megan Rapinoe, hey, this is this is distracting. What you're doing is distracting to what we're doing. And I, I understand, like, knowing your personality a little bit, like, this is all about winning. Like, mm-hmm. everything else fades away for me. That's the only thing I care about. Did you feel like you were, you were wrongly represented in the media in that sense that it, it was almost like this Carly versus Megan, and Megan stands for this and Carly stands for this? Yeah, and at that time... Obviously, there wasn't a lot of other people that were doing that besides Colin Kaepernick and Megan Rapinoe decided to do that. And I had conversations with Megan. Mm. Like this isn't a this isn't a personal thing. Like what she's doing, it it was distracting our team. It was distracting others to play. And I was a captain at the team at the time as well. So I said to her, it's it's not about like it's it's not to to dampen what you're trying to achieve with it. It just, it became, everything was focused on Megan kneeling. And nobody was talking about the reasoning why is what I was trying to get at. Like, and so I had conversations with Megan during that. And, um, you know, every game we, we, we rolled up to, it was the camera to her. But, like, no one's talking about actually what the messaging was about. It was just mm. she's kneeling and no one else is kneeling. Um, and so me being direct, like, again, this wasn't, anything that I didn't talk to Megan about. I respect that. Uh-huh. Um, because I wanted her to know that I, to each their own, I am all about, you know, the way you want to represent yourself. Like, it's not, it's not my lane to say you should be like this and you should be like that. We were just all getting tired of, mm. we're all just talking about her standing on the sideline, well, kneeling on the sideline. And was so, your relationship different from that point on? No, it was no. the same. Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, and then I think one game she was uh, maybe in the stands and then it became a thing with, you know, her potentially not being on the team and, and all these, you know, all these things. And I'm I'm trying to navigate being a captain of the team and Jill and, you know, the liaison to me, to her. It just, it was, it was a really tough situation to be in. What gives you that? excitement that you had on the pitch now off the pitch is there something that like uh, just being able to have time time with family friends nieces um do you golfing. sleep in yeah you do 
Don't set an alarm. <laughs> Must be nice. Although my hours, really Must be nice. Although my hours are, you know, they're decreasing a little bit. What I'm getting, I'm getting you? older, huh? What kind of, what kind of honor are you like? So you, if you have your your nieces for the day, what's that day look like? Oh, I just had, we just had our the oldest niece sleepover last the other night. Um, oh yeah, that's an interesting question. Are you strict? A, a little bit, like really? the please and thank yous. Yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. you know. Okay, fair. Are they playing? No, they're not into it. You know, they tried, but no, we're 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 fun. I mean, we just have a good time, and yeah. Earlier, you said during your playing days, people thought they knew you. They didn't know ten percent of who you actually were. Only people who really knew that ten percent, or actually knew, had a clear picture of who you were, were like your close friends and family. Now, okay, now that playing days gone, what is it that you've held back that you haven't allowed people to see that you want people to see as a clear reflection and representation of who Carly Lloyd is? Big question. Oh, yeah. My loyalty. I've always been loyal. Mm. Um, that's very important. That's very important to me. Um, I don't, I've got a big heart. Like, I think people have seen this warrior, you know, this numb machine that just went out and trained and ran. And I, I've, I've, I've got a heart of gold. And I don't let many people see that, although I think that now I'm... You what know, about in this interview? Am I tripping or are they <laughs> super similar? Heart? These Clint two? and Carly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I always thought of Carly like Clint in terms of they were like twins in the way that they were just, they were going to fight you. They were, they, <laughs> they, oh, they were, they were going to grind no matter what. They were going to give 100% and the commitment to play and be their best and be authentic. Lead by example. That, that was... Mm. They were do you, twins. Do you feel like you get to be, now that your playing days are done, like a little bit more yourself, which you didn't think you probably would on this side of it? I feel more free. Yeah. What do you mean this side of it? Media, yeah. okay. being an analyst. When you're playing, it's like focus. Don't bring any other drama that could interfere with the team or how you're playing. And I was almost like you become more of a hermit. Like you wanted, I personally wanted to do less and less towards the end. But now, like, here we are, we're doing a show, you've done a World Cup, I've done a World Cup already, and it's like, Jen, too. Oh, my bad, she's already, I mean, she's already beating me, bro. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, do, I didn't do full. I didn't but do the full man. In the sense of, you know, more of your lightheartedness, yeah. joking around, um, but just being able to, like, be free. Yeah, I don't feel like, again, that, that margin of error for me. Like, I couldn't F up because I'd be on the chopping block. And so I felt like anything that I said or did or, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't be my, I was my true self, but I couldn't be my most vulnerable self and be open and honest because I just felt like people wanted to see me fail. And Do you trust media now? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> she said, psych. Do you trust media? I mean, I, I just think it's, you know, sometimes a, a bit of fluff and not really mm. the, the truth. Um, I think this is, this is great because you get to sit down and it's not 20 seconds where you've got to get your point in or, you know, it's, it's, it's real. It's, it's kicking uh, it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kicking <laughs> it. And, and we talk about, like, we're talking about the kneeling. Like, I'm not going to dislike you because you... Disagreed. Disagreed, yeah. or you have a different opinion. Like, all right, you have a di different opinion. I mean, that's we all have that's different life. opinions. It's life. And that was the case. Me and Clint maybe, would be maybe friends. your <laughs> maybe your explanation of something was 
a different way that I interpreted it, right. and vice versa. Just, yeah. So. We appreciate you trusting us with your story, for sure. And I know that, like, unanimously, there's so much respect for you. Thank you. Amongst this group. So Same thank you. Guys. We appreciate yeah. you. You got to come back. I shared, a, I shared a lot more than I've ever shared. So uh, I'm sure there'll be some, some clicks out there, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Call thank you so much for your time. Appreciate the it. legend. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yep. Good what did Clint you. say about the suit? Got that Mo suit, oh, that money man. suit. <laughs> Look at her, she already got another gig Don't. after this. <laughs> we better Come make that money. So we just finished speaking to Carly. There was a lot there I, I didn't expect, I think. Um, maybe it's just because I'm British and looking at things from the outside, but I always thought of her as, as that player. I never realized that she would have felt like, hey, they didn't invest in me. They didn't want to put me front and center. I just always thought she was that one. I didn't realize that came, like, that was personally forced in some ways. Do you know what I mean? But I, yeah. To be honest, first of all, I appreciate her, appreciate her being so vulnerable, transparent, trusting us, you know, to come up here and speak in a way that I haven't seen her speak before. So mm. that, that was dope in itself. But I also think, like, the fact that you just said that, that kind of just speaks to who she is. Right, because she was so driven, so determined. She had an idea of where she wanted to be, who she wanted to be, as a player, as a player on the national team. That she willed herself into that position, like regardless of what the environment was that she felt she walked into, and the things that were maybe working against her. She had a clear-cut image, and she was going to do whatever she, whatever was needed, whatever it was going to take to make you from the outside world, us from the outside world, see her in the light that she wanted to be presented in. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that she felt that way, that she wasn't, you know, felt like the Federations was pushing her to, to be the main player when she was like the best player in the world, uh, scoring in, you know, hat-tricks in, in the World Cup finals and, and, and scoring game-winning goals in Olympics, that she felt that way. I was, I was surprised for that many years, she kind of had felt that way and even kind of towards the, the end feeling like there needed to be yellow card suspensions for her to get in to the games to, to make those impacts. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy to hear because I always like what you were from the outside looking in, I thought that, you know, she was that mm. woman. Like she's the one that's going to be the game changer. Still for me, it's the family part. 12 years. That's a long time. 12 years. And that reconnecting part at breakfast, like having breakfast sandwiches. Like that, when she was talking about her sister leaving that voicemail, I, I was, was like trying my hardest not to start crying here because I could feel that emotion. I can only imagine what that, that moment was like for her and her family. Like I'm thinking about it, if I was a dad, you know, you lose your, your daughter, mm who you've, you've backed and supported. This is a long time. But you have kids now, you know? Could you imagine that? You know, like no. that distance and... No. That dynamic being broken and then for it to come back together, like that first moment must have been... We didn't get a chance to even ask like what that first moment, what that conversation was like, because I don't know what you even say in that moment. I feel like if I... If I'm on either side of that dynamic, if I'm the child, if I'm the parent, and it's been that long, I don't, even, I don't think there's even words that I offer. I just want to just hug them, you know, and just... Make up for lost time. Yeah. We were at dinner last night, right? And we were talking about this episode and Carly coming on. And, and one of the subjects that we all wanted to, to talk about was taking a knee. And like I said, when we spoke to her, there's differing, differing opinions here, right? In, in this group. 
did you feel like you got closure? I, I, I understand what she was thinking in the moment. I, I got a crystal clear message from her. Like that, she was sick and tired of doing it. Didn't, she didn't feel like it was changing anything. There wasn't action from that, from her taking a knee, not taking a knee. But for me, I was just thinking to myself, if you knew that you not taking a knee because you felt like you were tired and you had already done it, done it for a month or two months and it was her last game, that the messaging from that was far more valuable for the, for the people that disagree with change in the world, would you still do it? Even though you personally don't want to do a knee? You know, because think about the people who are oppressed and have to deal with you know, certain, certain issues throughout their whole lifetime. And there's generations of this. And you don't want to take a knee? That, that to me was something that I took from it. And I, res I, I have so much respect for her as, as a person now, as a, as a player, um, what she means to the game, what she's done for women. But in that instance, you know, I just think that you have to think what's, what's the bigger importance, what's the bigger message. And I have to, I have to sacrifice my liking for the greater good. And, and that's ultimately, I think, what, what, you know, when I think about her not kneeling, the messaging around it was, she's, she's obviously doesn't agree with the kneeling, and, and that's not the, case, the cause, but the cause of her saying, like, it's not doing anything, it actually is doing something. And, and I think... Whenever you're on a stage, it does something, right? Yeah. Like that, that's, that's the truth. I think her doing it one more time would have had a bigger impact in a, in a way that I felt would have been more positive and constructive than, than, the, than the other. As a black man, and if I was a black female, I would just feel so disappointed because we have to deal with racism every day or biases every day. What is one more, what is six kneelings? You don't get to opt or, out. or mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you don't get to kneel one time? Like, what is, what is 10, 10 seconds of your life to kneel down to show that you are, you're together with some of your, your fellow teammates or just in general, just supporting uh, a group of people mm -hmm. that are marginalized every day of their life. You know, that's, I think that's why I was disappointed. I hear you. Uh, I know how hard you rock with this group, right? And we were talking at dinner yesterday and you said to me, you know, like, I just feel like if it was during the national anthem, I, I, that's not a point in time where I'm gonna kneel. I feel strongly about that. Um, and there's room for that, right? Like there's yeah. room for us to have different opinions 100%. on it. I don't know, did, did anything she say strike you? Did, you? did you identify with anything that Carly was saying? I mean, I identify with, with the part about, you know, everybody kind of having the freedom of expression, right? Like, no one needs to be oppressed from, I guess, what, what their view is to be able to kind of express themselves. But saying that, like, you know, I, we rock together, so if we're gonna do something, I'm gonna, I'm gonna support, support that cause. Maybe not during the national anthem, I'm not, I'm not gonna kneel, but before the game, I'm gonna kneel because I'm gonna show 
that I, that I support it and, and that I'm with it. And let's just not stop there. Let's, let's do something outside of the pitch. Like, let's go to, to the state and, and, and work on, you know, some of the issues to, to try to make change. Let's, let's do more than just kneeling, you know what I'm saying? But I just think that also, if you don't feel something, it, 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 it doesn't have as much impact to do, if you don't believe it, because you're not really being who you who you think you are. But saying saying that, like, you know, if it's the national anthem, I'm not gonna kneel. But if it's before the game, I'm gonna kneel. But I also feel that you should have a space that you feel are able to say how you feel about something and have a different opinion. But also understand that you know, the, the situations that other people are dealing with and, and how difficult it is for them. And it's to have these type of conversations and get more educated about how you can make change. What about the stuff she said about the women's national team? There were some big statements there. Massive statements. And I think she's probably the best suited person to give us that kind of insight, right? Because from afar, we see certain things and we can only assess like, what information gets put out there, we can assess what we see on the pitch. Um, but some of the things that she kind of, that she talked about, whether it's from a youth level um, and just like the shift in culture, right? She talked about the team had been successful because of for so long there was that advantage and, and that where they were elite or excelled or surpassed their opponents was, you know, from a physical standpoint, from a commitment, the, the I guess even mentality, the strength and mentality mm -hmm technique, tactics, they were, they were okay, but that's where they had the edge. And now if that doesn't exist, you know, there's cause for concern. There's a lot of excitement on the men's side about the trajectory of where this team can go, the potential, the youth players that are coming through that have made a big impact. On the women's side is where we've always had a consistent expectation of them being yep. contenders. Every tournament that they go into, the expectation is, whether right or wrong, the expectation because of what they've done over. You heard her say she she it was clear as day to her that they weren't gonna win this tournament, right? I went into this tournament still thinking like, all right, US have a chance, they're favorites, they should be favorites in this tournament. And maybe that's my me being naive and not being on the ground every day and seeing what's actually going on behind the scenes. But I think that's a big challenge for for this for US soccer is where do they start prioritizing the investment that they do make and coaching and youth development and, development and getting all that stuff and back in the right track. She spoke on that youth development saying yeah. that it's You were nodding during that part. I felt yeah, like that Yeah, because I feel like there's been a, there's been a problem with youth, youth development for, for a while now, you know what I mean? And it's confusing in terms of what's ECNL, what's this, what's that. It's not always the best teams playing the best teams because you're worried about players going to different clubs. I remember when I was growing up, you had to play your way into a league and then you had to do it well enough to stay in that league to, 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 to Iron sharpens iron, but also you look around, who's gotten it right over time? You, you, you look at more of like Europe in terms of like, they're not pay to play system where, and in, 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 you know, South America as well, where you have, where you're just picking the best kids, they're part of a system and, and they're able to play against other people, get the better coaching and, and have a, a kind of a pipeline to get to that top level. Here, I just feel like, the pay to play, and not everybody gets that, that opportunity, the, 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 the level of coaching that you have at your disposal, and then the fact that you're not even having the best teams always play uh, the, the other best teams because you're worried about those players going to other clubs. Right, and, and just to build off of what you said about you know, youth players and youth national teams, the Olympics, the last time the US went to the Olympics was when 
we played in 2008. So think about all those generations of young players not getting a world tournament to compete at the Olympics at that level until now in 2024 in Paris we'll finally send a, a team. But we, we, we missed out on a lot already with the youth development. We're not, we should be competing for world championships at the U17, U20 level. We still haven't won one. And I, and I feel like the amount of players that we're developing that we should have at least one by now. Uh, so the next show we do, are you bothering to turn up? What's your status? Man, listen, you give me advance notice, so that's a, that's a starting point. I can't make any promises, but you know what I mean? Because if you haven't had advance notice for every single show, They send emails. We've, are you I, not I've, on all these Zooms? You're on every yeah, email. Yeah, man, what about all these Zooms we've been doing? This is the problem. <laughs> this is the problem. I've been on every email. You know the best form of communication with priority? me. How many unread emails have you got? Who gets priority? How many right. unread emails? Put your phone out. Where's your phone? 11,000, right? You showed us last night. Where's your phone? Okay, so I'm on 3,263 unread. What are you on? Total? Yeah. Between <laughs> 11,500. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Right there. Got so right 11,500. I mean. Oh my God. Hey, how many of them are uh, that you didn't read from Jelani? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we, just so for those who don't, Jelani's our producer. Hey, I bet you don't have any from Pete that you didn't read. <laughs> <laughs>